holiday, so I'm having four Sundays off. I've never had that before in my life. Well, since we've been in ministry, that's for sure. So we're really, really excited about a good rest because I believe next year is phenomenal. God is building brick upon brick, layer upon layer, and it's momentum growing. And we're going to see God do some very, very special things. And uh, with that is going to become growth in faith and growth in expectation and growth in maturity and growth in numbers and growth in finances and the need to be able to steward well and all those sorts. For you that are going on holiday, rest. Don't just go on holiday. Don't come back from your holiday more exhausted than when you went, which is sometimes what we do. Uh, let's, let's take some moment and Sabbath, make our holiday a, a Sabbath moment where we get our rhythms in God back again if we've lost them. And we really learn to walk with God in a profound way and just, just get deeper into Him. I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So I'm really excited about that, Look, going forward and leave. Um, just Can I just say we've got our last prayer meeting on Thursday. Come to our last prayer meeting on Thursday. We are going to have an amazing time. And am I going to be there, babe? No, I'm not. I'll be gone, eh? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to be there, but it's going to be our last prayer meeting. But just, I just thought, you know what, it's the last prayer meeting of the year. We're going to start again after the holidays. We just take this kind of Christmas time and have a break. And uh, come along if you don't normally come. And let's just pray for the new year and pray for what God wants to do for us as a community. And let's, uh, let's really, really, really do something profound in prayer. One of the things that God wants us to grow in is in the area of prayer. And it's not white knuckle, Lord Jesus, on the floor, Lord God. It's, it's, it's walking with Him prayer. It's listening to him pray. It's, it's saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing within me? Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my weakness. Help me with my strengths. Stewarded wealth. It's that kind of prayer. And really, I believe God is wanting to take us deeper into that, uh, that way of walking with him. We, I want to talk this morning about Enoch as we continue in our, our faith series. But it's something to celebrate uh, is that Graham went for his interview this week at the U.S. consulate. He had his medical the week before when he went for his interview. Uh, for those that don't know, Graham and Emmy are going to be planting a church in Cincinnati. They think Cincinnati, but they're going to be landing in Cincinnati at Emmy's mom and dad and possibly planting in Cincinnati, but they're going to be planting a church. And uh, obviously all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff has to go through, and Graham went for his interview on, on Thursday and was given the green light. So... So they are, they are ready to go and set to go. And it's not Graham and Emmy planting a church. It's us planting a church. It's Glenridge is planting a church. This is, these, are, these are our friends, our fellow workers, our co-laborers, our, our co-worshippers. And we are, we are trusting in God for them to move into the next thing that God has for them and to plant a church. And part of our prayer over this time as they go, they'll probably be going at the end of February sometime. And uh, part of the prayer that they need is jobs, exactly where to go, what to happen, for God to open up the space. Planting a church, it's not like organizing a church, it's planting a church. It's like the seed of something's got to be there and they've got to find the seed, water it, see what God's doing and allow it to grow. And that process is a, is a process of just trying to hear God, walk with God, find jobs, all those sorts of things. So please do uh, just pray for them. And can we just do that? Can you guys just stand? We want to give you a massive round of applause. Just, can you just stand, please? Let's just, let's, just, let's just thank God for them. 
as we talk about faith. Just what an amazing, amazing, amazing example of faith. We want to see God do incredible things with him. And we're expectant for with you and expectant for you and expectant alongside you. And we're going to see some wonderful things, guys. And obviously, as we get come back from holiday and go towards them moving on, uh, we'll, we'll do all those things and preaching and talking about them and having farewells and all those sorts of things. But they need prayer in the meantime. So, we're in a, we're in a series of faith, a season of faith. I, I, I think we believe a, 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 not just a series of faith, but a season of faith. A, the next 18 months, where faith is going to be, or the next year, I don't know, where faith is going to be stirred within us. And so much revolves around faith. I've seen men and women walk away from God because they've lost faith and fear has overwhelmed them. Um, I've, I've seen people walk away from God as they've lost faith as materialism has overwhelmed them. I've, lost, I've seen people walk away from God and lose faith as relationships and hurts overwhelm them. And this thing of faith is a very powerful thing. It's quite difficult to, dis, to, to kind of make a definition of. And we're going to be looking at over this Christmas season and probably a little bit longer around the, hero, the heroes of the faith, which we, we see in Hebrews chapter 11. And what's exciting is, and obviously Christmas Day, Drew's going to be preaching. Drew's going to be preaching about our hero of the faith, who is Jesus. And so we get, we're, going to, we're going to see that. But, but we're going to have a look at these, some of these, these ancients. These, it talks about uh, these guys were commended. These ancients were commended for their faith. And uh, we're going to learn some lessons about what it means to have faith. So let's have a read of, of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. And, uh, and let's learn some lessons about that. I want to make some comments as we get into the series. And then I want to talk a little bit about Enoch. Enoch. What's so special about Enoch? Enoch is my guy. Doug always talks about Enoch and what he wants on his tombstone. And I wanted to actually do a graphic of a tombstone with it says Stanley Allen Phipps. And Heather said, no, you can't do that. That's, not, that's bad. That's bad taste. But, um, but I've got a little visual for you that I'll show you what I would love, love on my tombstone. Because I've come to, with Doug, agree that this is what I would love on my tombstone if I had a tombstone one day. But uh, let's just have a look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards them. That's our text for this morning. Imagine if you were somebody that completely had no concept of faith, of Jesus, of God, 
and we trust that we're going to have more and more of these people come into our building. But imagine if they walked into our building and they saw us talking to somebody that we can't see. Praying. Imagine if they came into our building and they, they hear this. God spoke to me. Somebody that they can't see spoke to them. Somebody that they can't touch, they can't feel, they can't materially touch said something to them. And they didn't speak like in a voice, they spoke like with an impression maybe or with a vision. Imagine somebody walks into our, 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 our building and, and sees us worshiping in absolute abandon. Maybe some people crying in the presence of God as they're worshiping God. They can't see Him, but yet they're caught up with Him. They can't see Him, but yet they seem to know Him. But how do you know Him, and what is this? What if somebody comes into our meetings and, and somebody just starts dancing and expressing themselves in maybe art, or expressing themselves in dance, or just in some creative way, and they look at that and they think, what is going on here? You see, the difference between that person walking in, not knowing anything, and the person that comes in with faith is unbelievably different. When you come in with faith for God and faith to know God, you come in and you see all of those things and experience all of those things and drawn into all of those things more and more and more. And what we're talking about here is we're talking about this, this, this idea of faith. And what I saw for the first time this morning, I've been studying this text for I don't know how long. And often we read this, this, that first verse, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Other translations say it's an assurance of things that are hoped for and evidence of things not seen. And what happens is we often read that and you think, well, now I've got to become more sure. And we think, well, now I've got to be absolutely so I've got to work up my certainty muscle. It's kind of, we read it as in a performance definition, and actually what it's not is it's not actually a definition of faith. What Paul, what the, the, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews, who we're not certain of who he is or she is, but the writer of Hebrews has been speaking in chapter 10 about this group of people that have been persecuted, that have been insulted, that have been martyred, that have had their, their possessions confiscated, but still have this joy because they know that they have eternal possessions. Even if they lose these possessions, their possessions are in eternity more and valuable than this one here. And it talks about them that the, that the righteous will live by faith and that we will not shrink back, but actually persevere in faith. And so what the writer then goes and says now, and he says this, he says, faith is that commodity... Now, he's trying to describe what faith actually is. And he says this, faith is that commodity that makes you sure of what you hope for. 
So what we hope for more, most, what I hope for most, is the return of Jesus and Him making all things new. What makes me certain of that or sure of, of, of that, what gives me the assurance of that, is this commodity, this thing called faith. And he's trying to say to them, you've got to have this ingredient in your walk with God called faith that enables you to be persevering and enables you to have a resilient trust of God. And that's what he's trying to say. Then he says, you, yeah, it's, it's faith is this thing where, it's where you become absolutely assured of what you hope for. Other translations say it's the substance of things hoped for. Or the foundation of things hoped for. Or the title deeds, some of the words allude to, having the title deeds of things hoped for. He says this is what this faith word means. It's the guarantee is another word that is used of things hoped for. So we, God, speaks, God speaks to us, which puts hope in our hearts. And then we begin to journey, but we need that journey needs this thing called faith. And when he speaks to us, he gives us the title deeds, he gives us the foundation, he gives us the guarantee, he gives us the substance. His word becomes substance in our hearts, and then we begin to hope and trust for him, for what he has for us. You see, he's trying to, he's trying to tell you what you need. He's trying to describe faith. And then he says it's more than it, it's being certain, or it's having evidence of things that are not seen. And what he's saying is he's saying the world that you see material is not all that exists. There's a God that exists that is unseen that you can speak to and who speaks to us. And this God, in fact, was the one that created all that is seen in the world, in the universe, by his word. That's what he says. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was, is seen is not made out of what was not visible. What was seen is not made out of what was visible. So there wasn't a, there wasn't a seed that created this. You know, it's like it, it, wasn't, it wasn't something, there wasn't anything, it was God who created this. And he says, by faith, it's kind of when you're certain of what you do not see, when, you, when, you kind of, when, you, when you're sure of what you do not see, and you have this insurance, this foundation in your heart, you can have a resilient trust in God and walk with Him powerfully. He talks about evidence or the conviction of what we do not see. This, this unseen realm, this unseen world only becomes real if you have to say to these people that are under pressure, they're getting persecuted, they, they're kind of getting their stuff taken away from them, they're, they're under pressure, and he says to them, I want you to have faith. I don't want you to shrink back. I need you to have this faith. I need you to take hold of the title deeds of what Jesus has given you and trust him and believe in him. Don't let them go. I want you to take hold of, 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 a, of a conviction or an evidence. I want you to get hold of the evidence, the proof, of what is unseen in your hearts, and you hold on to it and don't let it go. I want you to have a resilience. I want you to have a perseverance. That's what he's kind of, that's what he's giving you. And then what he does for the definition is he tells the stories of a whole bunch of people that have faith. 
Because you see, it's different kinds of faith for different people. Different people have different strengths of different kinds of faith. So Noah, when he tells the, the story of Noah, what he's doing is he's saying, this is a guy that's got faith for a project. So there are people that have got faith for projects and building projects. Noah. And if this church ever goes back into a building project, we're going to have to study Noah to find out the faith that he had to build a project. When you didn't have any money, and when you didn't have any understanding of what was going on, but God said, and you went and did it. See what I'm saying? Moses, he left, or Abraham, he left his country. Moses chose not to be associated with Pharaoh, even though he grew up in the courts of Pharaoh, to be associated with the outcasts and the slaves. See, Moses had faith to say no to this and to say yes to that. And all these different people, all these tons of people just mentioned, one after the other, prophets and all. And what he does is he's trying to describe this ingredient of faith by telling the stories of people that had faith to, just, to, to, encourage, to encourage the people of God that are under pressure, that are lacking faith. And it ends in Hebrews chapter 12, where he says this, he says, and now you've got, since you've got such a great cloud of witnesses, now since you've got all these stories of these ancients that were commended for their faith, and since you've got a community of people that have, that have lived by faith and are telling stories of faith, whether it's healing stories or graduating stories or, or promotion stories or whatever the stories are, since you are, are surrounded with such a great cloud of people that are witnesses that carry the evidence of things unseen, press on and be assured and set your face like flint on Jesus. He says, throw off everything that hinders and run the race marked out for you with perseverance. Don't give up. Keep your eyes fixed on him and keep walking. So it ends in Hebrews chapter 12. That's where it goes to. But we're now at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. So this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to give us an ingredient, this ingredient called faith. And this little phrase, a resilient trust and belief in Jesus and the kingdom that has come in Jesus is absolutely key. Resilient faith. Resilient trust. Friends, we are in a caustic, acidic, uh, decaying environment that wants to decay our faith, that wants to uh, replace it with fear and anxiety. But we, the church, have our eyes fixed on Jesus and have a growing sense of faith and trust. We have evidence, we have title deeds, we have some certainty of things unseen. We can't see a new South Africa yet, but man, we can have hope for one. Not because of, because of ANC, DA, EFF, any political party, but actually because God has had his hand on this nation from the beginning. See what I'm trying to say? This is this, is this kind of faith that we're wanting to, to understand and to, and to get hold of. And what we do is he speaks about Abel, and I'm going to talk about Abel tonight. Why was Abel offered a gift, his offering accepted and Cain's wasn't? See, there was an element of faith that was attached to Abel's that wasn't attached to Cain's. It wasn't what was offered. 
It was how it was offered. It was the motivation of heart. And this morning, I want to have a look at this guy called Enoch. Enoch. Who's Enoch? Well, let's have a look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 to 24. Thanks. Uh, there we go. When Enoch had lived 65 years, this is what it says. This is now the guy Enoch that's in this great, one of the stories that he's telling to help us understand what faith means. Because you see, what faith means for you is different, and what you need to have faith for is different to what I need to have faith for. Right now, I don't need to have faith to plant a church. Graham and Emmy do. I have to have faith to make a church, to, bring, to, to see the lost come in, and to make see a church come into health that reproduces and multiplies and goes to the nations. They've got to have faith to take a seed, to water it, and watch it grow. It's a different kind of faith. Some of you have got to have faith for business. And you're waiting on big deals. And you are being tested at every level, at every side. But actually you've got to take hold of the title deeds of what is hoped for. God, you have spoken. I'm letting go. I'm not giving these title deeds away to anybody. I'm being sure of what I'm hoped for. I'm being founded on what I'm hoped for. I'm not going to give it away because, God, you've spoken to me. See, everybody's got different faith. Now, Enoch is this delightful guy, and this is what it says. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God... Then he was no more because God took him away. That's all that is said about Enoch in the whole of the Bible. That's it. But yet, he is the one right in the beginning as he's unpacking, he's almost kind of doing this thing chronologically from creation to Abel to Enoch. And Enoch, he walked with God. You see, faith is not just faith for healing, not, not just faith for a moment, not just faith for a breakthrough. It's faith for a walk with God that leads to breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. That's what this, this is what Enoch begins to show us. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, it was around Jesus read the Greek version of the Old Testament. What it does is it takes, it translates works with God, walks with God, with pleases God. And so the Hebrew writer picks up the Septuagint version and he replaces, and this is what pleased God because he walked with God. He kind of makes those two terms synonymous. When you walk with God, you please God. And this is what it says. Let's just read what it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 again. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death, he could not be found, because God had taken him away. For, he was, he was, for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, or, stroke, one who walked with God. Friends, at the very base of our faith, 
needs to be a walk with God. And friends, are we, since I've come back to the station here, January 2016, I think if you've heard one thing, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that we've heard this. We need a walk with God. We need to be with Him, become like Him, so that we can do what He's doing. It is the walk of discipleship. You can put it in whatever language you want to, but actually we need a walk with God. And Enoch was commended for his walk with God. He was commended for his walk with God. What is fascinating to me is that it says, after he became the father of Methuselah. After he came, it's like, it's like before Methuselah came, it was different, but after he became the walk of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. It's amazing what parenting will do to your faith. Because you see, Methuselah, Enoch is the father of Methuselah. Methuselah, Methuselah is the father of Lamech, and Lamech is the father of Noah. I wonder if God spoke to Methuselah or spoke to Enoch generations before saying, you need to walk with me because the generations after you need to walk with me because one of those sons is going to be somebody that saves the world or saves humanity. You see, we parent by faith. There's no part of our lives that is not touched by this title deed mentality by the certainty, the surety of what God is doing so that we can breathe that into our children's lives. And I'm fascinated that he says, after he became the father of Methuselah, he walked faithfully with God. Parents, can I say to you, the greatest gift you can give your children is a walk with God. Give your children is to love one another unconditionally, self-sacrificially, and walk with God. If you do that, I'm convinced of this. Even if your kids de- de- do detours, and even if your kids move, or, uh, kind of do things that you wouldn't like them to do, ultimately they are going to become who you are, not what you say you are. And if you've got to walk with God, they're going to have a walk with God. I, 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 I'm more and more convinced of that than ever before. And when I look at this guy, Enoch, I want to walk like Enoch. So he walked with God. The second thing you see there is that he walked with God for 300 years. Now, whatever there's, there's around this text, is that literally 300 years and whatever, there's, there's arguments around the... The point is this, it wasn't three days. It was a long time. Enoch had a walk with God, he had a faith walk with God over the long haul. He had a long view of his walk with God. And the reason why we often have a short view with our walk with God is because we want to use God to get Him to give us stuff instead of walking with Him. Enoch walked with God 300 years. Have you got a long view of your walk with God? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes time. It takes training. It takes effort. But the joy and the glory and the wonder when you fit in God to be walking with Him and running with Him, there's nothing like it. For those that have run races before, 
And I'm, and I'm getting back there. My New Year's resolution is stand, get back onto the road. I say that to all of you, and you all make those, but you don't get to declare it publicly. I do. And then you tune me, hey, Stan, I thought you said you're going to lose 10 kgs. But, uh, but you know what, friends? We've got to be fit to walk with God. And at the Hebrews 12, it talks about run the race of perseverance. But in Enoch, he learned to walk with God. In the long term. It's not about how we start. It's about how we finish. So many people start their walk with God with such excitement and such enthusiasm. It's how we finish. How are you finishing? When when you're on your deathbed... Are you dying? Are you, I want to even not be on my deathbed like this God and just be taken away. He didn't die. Because he so walked with God, he kind of got so intimate with God in my mind and my imagination. This is, in my imagination, he so walked with God and became, became so in, uh, 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 intimate with God that he just transitioned into the, spirit, into the next realm without dying. Just doesn't say that, but I'm in my imagination. It's like, I want to I be that guy. Enoch, who walked with God. You see, friends, without resilient faith, without a resilient trust in God, it is impossible to please God. And we want to, over this season, to begin to stir this resilient trust in God. Friends, some of us can trust God, but can you have a resilient trust in God? One that goes through the ups and downs of life. One that pushes through the unexpected challenges. One that has, has it's a resilient trust in God. We've noticed with every single one of these people that are mentioned in, the, in, this, in this text, in this Hebrews 11, all the people had one or more of the following three things in their lives. One, they suffered. Abel was murdered for doing the right thing. Number two, there was a moral failure somewhere. Moses, Noah. There was something that they did that was immoral. Yet they're in the Hall of Fame, being applauded for their faith. And thirdly, Wimma said one or more of these three, there was doubt. Did God really say? Abraham is full of that. You see, friends, what we're talking about with this thing, this, this title deed, this, this certainty, the surety, is not a perfection in faith or a perfection in character. It's a Brazilian trust in God, even when we're not perfect and even when we don't believe perfectly. We still come back to, but God, but God, but God, but God, and we never but stop the but God conversation in our minds and in our hearts. The one thing that they had in common, all of them, is that they never gave up. And so it says there that so they, so some of them died without ever physically seeing what they expected in the text. A resilient trust in God is what we're hoping for, is that we're wanting to grow as a community in. Enoch is my hero. Can I put that slide up of the... This would be my tombstone. This is the compromise that I had with Heather. The um, no, other one? Next one? That's a long one, yeah. Next one? 
There we go. That's what it would be. If I had it, I'm probably never going to have a tombstone, but this is what it would be. If I wanted to be remembered by something, this is what for me. Doug, I'm with you. I've got it. I've had the revelation. Stanley Allen Phipps, 1969 to whenever. Husband to Heather, father to Matthew, Natalie, and Cameron, he walked with God. He walked with God. I would love to be commended in the Hall of Fame, not for the buildings we built, the healings we saw, the power expressions we saw, the finances that flowed in because of what God did so powerfully. All of those are amazing. For me, I want to be known as he walked with God. Because it says there, that's what pleased God. And I pray for, I pray for all of us that actually in this season, Whatever this thing looks like, we can walk with God. Let me end off with this little text here. He says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because someone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And most trying to put in brackets there, verse 6. I said in brackets I put there once to, that's not in the NIV. But in all the translations, it's kind of, that's the, that's the understanding of it. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anybody who wants to come to Him, anybody that wants to come to God, must one, believe that He exists, that He is real. And live like He is real. Like live like He's in the room with you. Like live that He never leaves or forsakes you, that He's with you. Believe that He exists. And he believed, believed that he exists, not just existentially, that God exists, but deeper than that, actually exists in my home, he exists in my heart, he exists in my boardroom, he exists in my projects, he exists in my faith ventures, he exists in my future, he exists in my children's lives, he exists. You've got to believe he exists. Live like he's real. Live like he's in the room with you. Live like he's in the decisions that you're making. Secondly, that those who pursue Him, He rewards. Those who earnestly seek Him, He rewards. You see, what that talks about is that He wants to reward you in relationship with Him. He doesn't want you to just know that He's real. He wants a relationship with you. Faith for a relationship with God. That was Enoch's thing. He had this incredible relationship with God. Friends, I know this is 101 Christianity for those that have heard this a million times. But can I reward, remind us again and refresh us again, faith to know that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him, sincerely seek Him. Pursue a relationship with God. Faith to pursue a deeper relationship with God. Have you ever been on a walk with somebody? Or run with somebody? But well, let's talk about a walk. You know that if you walk with somebody and you want to walk with somebody, so I walk with Heather, Heather takes short steps, I take long steps. So when I'm walking, I'm like there before Heather, and Heather's like, listen, I'm here. Don't walk there. Walk here with me. So I've got to like <laughs> adjust my steps to walk with her. 
You see, a walk with God means that we adjust our lives to walk with Him. You see, that's what it means to be a, have a walk with God. He determines the pace, not me. He determines my steps, not me. Those who earnestly seek Him, that's what it means. It means that you walk with God. Have you ever been on a walk with somebody? You go for a run or run or a, a walk. Or the, what makes the walk or the run so enjoyable is that you're talking to each other all the time. You see, those who earnestly seek Him, that's what it means. Walk with Him, let Him adjust the pace, and begin to talk to Him. Begin to listen to Him. Begin to speak to Him. Begin to ask Him things. Begin to hear things. Communication makes this, this, this race, this walk, so much easier. Go for a run and it's like, it's done. And what? Oh, we just spoke about everything. We solved the world's problems. You're not one of those. That's what happens when you walk with God. It goes quickly. It's easy. That's what it means by his burden is, the, the, the burden is, is, what's it, the, the yoke completely messed it up. The yoke is heavy, but his burden is light or something. I'm not going to get it right. I should know it. Matthew 11, there we go. The point is this, what makes it light is your walk with him. It makes it easy. Oh, no, that was easy. Uphill. You don't even know you're going uphill because you're walking, you're talking so much. Makes it go quicker. And then what's amazing, particularly when you're running with somebody and you're getting tired, is they pull you through. I once, once when I was working down the south coast, young engineer, my boss said to me, come, hey, let's do a 21K. I'd been running 5Ks at lunchtime, plenty. So I was like, what, 20... I don't know, 23 or 24. I was like, this old belly, I'm going to sort him. So we did the Scott Bread 21. And I was like, on the go, boy. Out there, and then you do run that way, then you come back again. Just before coming back this way, or halfway coming back this way, in the last quarter, I hit the wall. I'm like, and the more I hit the wall, the more he was like, hey, buddy, come on, running backwards. Jenny, me, come on, hey, come on. You know, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, when you run with somebody, man, they pull you through. This is what it means to earnestly seek Him. Friends, I want to exhort us this time over Christmas, not just over Christmas, over the season of faith. Allow God to help you to walk with Him. I figured out now that's why Doug likes walking sticks. I've just realized that's the thing, that's the whole thing. Doug collects walking sticks. From all over, wherever he goes, he finds a walking stick. It's like, let's find the walking sticks. Let's find the, that pace with God and let him allow him to pace our lives so that we can walk with him. And be like, be like Enoch, who was commended for his walk and please God because he had a faith to walk with God. Amazing, eh? Simple. Simple, simple, simple. This is what faith means. Get hold of the title deeds. You've got the title deeds to walk with Jesus. Even when you've blown it, the title deeds were given to you by the birth, death, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You've got the title deeds of Christ in your hand to the kingdom of God. Be sure of that. Take hold of those things and walk with Him and, let, and let's see what God does with us in this next season. In His amazing name. Amen. Bless you guys.